Welcome to an enlightening podcast from IslamPodcasts.com. We encourage our listeners to please comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please remind your family and friends to also visit IslamPodcasts.com for engaging discussions on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran, Tafsir, Sirah, and much more. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Podcasts on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran, Tafsir, and Sirah are available at islampodcasts.com as well as on iTunes. Rate, review, and comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please subscribe, share, and tell a friend about islampodcasts.com as well as rate, review of iTunes. بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والصلاة والسلام على رسوله الكريم والحمد لله رب العالمين حمد الشاكرين رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي السلام عليكم ورحمة الله dear brothers and sisters we'll continue إن شاء الله tonight our series of tafsir sessions uh, we are uh, doing uh, tonight surah al-fatiha this is the second session in surah al-fatiha and we have already done the first four surahs in the revelation order. Surah Al-Alaq, Iqra' Bismi Rabbika Al-Ladhi Khalaq. Surah Al-Muddathir, Ya Ayyuhal Al-Muddathir. Surah Al-Qalam and Surah Al-Muzammil. As I mentioned, those were the first four surahs revealed. And Surah Al-Fatiha was the next one. Uh, and we talked at length about those earlier surahs. One major difference which we notice in Surah Al-Fatiha compared to the other ones is that Surah Al-Fatiha is a surah that is very much focused on the aqidah of Islam, very much focused on the principles of Islam. It does not deal with the ongoing struggle in, in Mecca. Uh, although the first four surahs, all of them, Surah Iqra, it did have a, a, a talk, a specific concentration on the on one of the elites of Mecca, Abu Jahl, if you will, who stood against the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, Surah Al-Muddathir, it talked about Al-Walid bin Al-Mughira and how he uh, tried to undermine and ridicule the da'wah of Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Surah Al-Qalam also, it did talk about uh, the elites of Mecca, those who tried to stop the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and Surah Al-Muzammil. And in all of these surahs, Allah Azza wa Jal, He declared that He stands behind this da'wah and uh, uh, He used this word which was repeated in those surahs like ذرني ومن يكذب بهذا الحديث Let me deal with those who deny this hadith. ذرني ومن خلقت وحيدا Let me deal with the one that I created lonely and alone and I will take care of him. ذرني والمكذبين أولي النعمة uh, let me deal with those who deny the uh, Islam, those who think of themselves big because they have lots of power, and so on. But in this surah, Al-Fatiha, right from the very beginning, Allah Azza wa Jal talks about those uh, principles of which, which the principles or the foundation which make the foundation of Islam. So at the beginning, we talked last time, Alhamdulillahi, all the appreciation, all thankfulness, all recognition belongs to Allah Azza wa Jal because Allah Azza wa Jal is Rabbul Alameen. He is the Lord of all the worlds. He is the Rabb, He is the Master. He is the owner. 
He is the, the sustainer. He is the one who stands behind the wall, behind all the walls. So this is a foundation of the aqidah. Just before you even begin your Islam, before you start, before you even start thinking about this whole Islam, you must recognize that Allah Azza wa Jal is the Rabb of all Al-Alameen, the Rabb of all the worlds. And we mentioned that the worlds, here Allah Azza wa Jal brings this notion and He did it in, in the other surahs, in huwa illa dhikrun lil-alameen, that this Islam is a reminder for all the worlds. The, the notion here is that Every world you could think of, every sphere, every scope, whether it's this universe, whether it's the universe in different heavens, whether it's the world of today, whether it's the world of tomorrow, whether it's the world of yesterday, whether it's the world of the people, whether it's the world of the, of the malaika, the, the angels, or the jinn, or the, uh, uh, all of these. Allah Azza wa Jal is Rabb of them. So no matter how you think, no matter where you want to go, no matter what type of world you want to live in, it belongs to Allah Azza wa Jal. So there is no escape from the world of Allah Azza wa Jal. You are created by Allah, and Allah created all the worlds, and Allah is the one who is the Rabb of all of these. So you better, you better convince yourself and accept this fact and live on the basis that you live in the world that is owned by Allah, in the world that is run by Allah Azza wa Jal, in the world whose master is Allah Azza wa Jal. He is the Rabb. So that is a foundation. And I mentioned time and time again that the issue of being a Rabb, knowing that Allah Azza wa Jal is the Rabb. A Rabb. Not only a God that you worship, but He is a Rabb that you have to obey. He is a Rabb that you have to listen to. He is a Rabb that He can, He, he gives you instructions and you must follow them. That is a foundation. And if you don't get this foundation, you will not get the religion correctly. And in fact, we know that in other surahs later on when we talk about the, the, the main problem that the Christians and the Jews got in when they said, They have their rabbis and their priests, and then later on Jesus Christ as a rabb. They took them as a rabb, other than Allah Azza wa Jal. So they took them, they, they, they considered these entities or these deities as sources of legislation, as entities that you rely on for your own instructions, for what you want to do or what you do not want to do. Here Allah Azza wa Jal, in this surah, after those four, four surahs which were revealed and laid down the, the struggle between Islam and Kufr, between Haqq and Batil, and the environment in which this da'wah is going to, to function, now Allah Azza wa Jal is laying down the foundations of this Islam, so that very very uh, uh, solid foundation, very solid uh, uh, explanation of what this Islam is about. Alhamdulillahi. All the hamd. Their hamd, and I mentioned last time, there is a difference between a praise and thankfulness. This hamd is not a praise be to Allah as we usually translate it. It is thankfulness, appreciation, being grateful, being uh, uh, in complete recognition of what Allah Azza wa Jal is about. This Allah is Rabbul Alameen. So all thankfulness, all appreciation, all recognition belongs to Allah Azza wa Jal. No more, no less. No one else shares Allah Azza wa Jal with this notion. Then who is this Allah, the next ayah, which we will now go into? Who is he? Allah Azza wa Jal until now in the previous surahs did not talk a lot about himself. 
Well, he did in Surah Iqra, where he said, Rabbak alladhi khalaq. He's the creator. So the creation, of course, had been laid down already. Allah Azza wa Jal is the creator. There is no question about it. But what else? Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim. The next one, Alhamdu lillahi, Rabb al-Alameen. All the appreciation belongs to Allah, the Rabb of all the worlds. Who is he? Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim. Now, quite often, we do the translations, most merciful, most gracious, but those words, those translations, unless we get into the depth of the meaning, we may not be able to appreciate them. And both words, Ar-Rahman and Ar-Rahim, are derivative of the same root. The root is Rahmah. And this Rahmah is being that you have the ability to be merciful on something. That's what Rahmah is. And being merciful, what does being merciful mean? Being merciful, or to have mercy on something, is anything you do, anything, whether it's you are building a building, or making a design, or getting married, or raising a child, or doing your work. The mercifulness part is that you always look after the affair of the person or the entity that has to do with your act. Let's say there are many acts, your daily acts, they involve other people. When they involve other people, let's say if you are married, you have your wife is involved, your children, your parents, uh, your uh, employees, your superiors. Every time you, per- you make a transaction and there is another entity that is involved and you look after the affairs of this entity, you want a favor for that entity. You want to make sure that the second party to the act is always be- benefiting from what you are doing. So you are looking to see how in the world, how much this person or this, uh, 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 not necessarily a person, it could be an animal. If you have a dog, you have a cat, you have pets, you have, if you are, uh, if you have a farm and you have your goats, your sheep, uh, your camels, everything, and you perform a transaction, and then when you do that transaction, let's say you are, you have your, your cattle, your cows, your animals, your people, whoever, and you want to do something, whatever you do, you want to make sure that other party, that other entity is not hurt. That other entity benefits from what you are doing. That other entity is not going to be hurt or to be harmed in any way. It will not suffer any pain because of what the acts you are doing. That's the essence of mercy. Because the mercy here is, it's an act I am doing. It is an action that I will take place. It's a transaction that I will do. Uh, it's a law I will make. Sometimes... Uh, especially those who legislate laws. Let's get into this. They want to make a law. Now, in this country and in the world at large, somebody is making a law, they try to see what is the benefit of certain group, let's say a lobby that paid them money. Those who make laws for the right, for, for the gun ownership in this country. They look at the affairs and the benefit for the rifle association, right? So what's the rifle association? They need, so they make sure that this law benefits that group. And they do not take into consideration the benefit and the affairs of the other people who might be adversely affected by the people owning guns in this country, being killed in schools, etc., etc. Now, of course, the one who is making a law in this case, he may not be able to know all the affairs and the consequences and the side effects of his law. It's possible. 
It doesn't necessarily mean that he has ill intention, but at least if he doesn't know the, the, all the consequences of his act or his law or his legislation, then someone is going to be adversely affected. Now, Allah Azza wa Jal in this ayah is telling us he is Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahman internally, inherently, part of his characteristic, part of his trait is the composition of this Rahmah. So Rahmah is part of him. Whether he is acting or not acting, whether he is dealing or not dealing, whether he is legislating or not, whether he is creating or not, it doesn't matter the act, internally, inherently, he has this concept of being Rahman. Rahman is the fact that he is a person, he is an entity, is this God, he has this issue of Rahmah is part of him. It's part of his characteristic. It's part of his, of his make. Whatever his make is, we don't know. He's beyond our limit. He's beyond our scope. We cannot limit what he is or his substance, but part of him is a Rahmah. So it's not only, it's not only something that appears whenever he makes an action. Whenever he creates, whenever he builds, whenever he raises the, the, uh, uh, the trees or the, the plants. It's irrelevant. Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahman is irrelevant of the act now. Now remember I, I, when I spoke a few minutes ago, when I was trying to explain this Ar-Rahman, I associated that with an act. This is how it happens to us. Because it is not part of our characteristic, it's not part of my nature, it's not the nature of the composition of Abu Talha or Abu Ali or Abu Samir or Abu Muhammad. It's not this composition of Rahmah. We are composed of flesh, of, of, of blood, of emotions, of brains, of all of these things. And Rahmah is not part of our, is not part of our substance. It could be part of our deeds. But Allah Azza wa Jal, Allah Azza wa Jal, part of Him, He is Rahman. So part of his characteristics are, is Ar-Rahma, which is something we is not subscribed to us. So you cannot call someone, this person is Rahman. Because if you say this is Ar-Rahman, that means it's part of his make. So now we know that this person is, his composition, part of his genetic structure is Ar-Rahma, which is not true. It's not true. There is no entity in the world Absolutely, from the created being, that is uh, characterized with Rahmah as being part of the makeup of that entity. A person, uh, a human, non-human, angel, malak, jinn, whatever. This issue of Rahmah is not the composition of any entity. But Allah Azza wa Jal tells us that He is Rahman. And there is a surah, in fact, a whole surah called Ar-Rahman. Now, not all the names of Allah Azza wa Jal, not all the characteristics have a surah after them. But the, after that characteristic, Ar-Rahman is a unique one. The surah Ar-Rahman, Allah Azza wa Jal devoted an entire surah called Ar-Rahman. And in this surah, he tells us those traits, those characteristics of being Rahman. Because at the time when none was existing, which absolutely none, Allah Azza wa Jal, when He started the whole creation, He talked about Himself, I'm being Ar-Rahman. Ar-Rahman, from the beginning, Allam al-Qur'an. And He did not even say whom He taught the Qur'an to. He just mentioned, Ar-Rahman, Allam al-Qur'an, Khalaq al-Insan. 
being part of his rahmah, part of him as being Rahman, he is a teacher, he gives the knowledge to, to, to others, uh, he creates, he does all of these things as part of his rahmah. Part of his rahmah. Now, this is one for Allah Azza wa Ar-Rahman. So Ar-Rahman is the one who has rahmah part of him. Ar-Rahim, Ar-Rahim is the one who acts rahmah. At the time of action, as I was explaining earlier, he acts with rahmah. He acts with rahmah means whoever, whoever comes under the scope of his act, while he's doing an act, Allah Azza wa Jal looks for the benefit and the favor and the, and the, and the goodness and the willness of that entity. Allah Azza wa Jal does not perform any act, does not perform any act that adversely, erroneously, with error, wrongfully, without knowledge, without knowing that as a side effect, let's say you are walking and you happen to be in, in, in a crowded place and you have a big jacket and you uh, push someone on the right, push someone on the left without knowing, you, you, uh, you make some things fall. There are all types of side effects to your walking, to your talking, to your discussion. Sometimes out of ignorance, out of not knowing, you hurt the, this person's feeling. Oh brother, I didn't mean to say that. I really, oh I'm sorry. But you already did the damage. Allah Azza wa Jal doesn't do that. Allah is Rahim. Now this Rahim, in each and every act of Him, there is this Rahmah. Even sometimes when, in, uh, when we talk about the punitive rules, when Allah Azza wa Jal says uh, 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 that if you perform a, a certain violation, and this violation will deserve a punishment. The many scholars, when they talk about these punishments, they say those punishments, they do have mercy in them for the one who is being punished so that I will give you the punishment now in order to avoid the wrath and the, and the hellfire in the hereafter. Or to save the humanity, like when Allah Azza wa Jal says, وَمَنْ قَتَلَ نَفْسًا فَكَأَنَّمَا قَتَلَ النَّاسَ جَمِيعًا If you kill one soul, then it's as if you kill the entire humanity. And therefore, if Allah Azza wa Jal puts a law to restrict, to prevent someone from, from killing or committing a murder, he's actually saving the entire humanity. So the acts of Rahmah of Allah Azza wa Jal are visible in every act that you see in the khalq, starting from the khalq, from the creation. The way Allah Azza wa Jal created things, everything is created in order. Allah says in Surah At-Teen, لَقَدْ خَلَقْنَا الْإِنسَانَ فِي أَحْسَنِ تَقْوِيمِ We have created the human in the best manner he could be created. Absolutely the best. When Allah Azza wa Jal created the walls, He said, I created the walls with a mizan. He raised the heavens and he made the scale, the balance. There is a scale. A scale such that, a scale such that stars that are moving all over, uh, planets that are moving, moons moons that are moving, uh, that are burning, that have all types of energy, they do not interfere with one, one another. Here we create a small system, I mean, in places those who do the with, the, with the networks or with the Wi-Fi, with all of these things, you have lots of interference. You interfere with in signals. You interfere in acts. You interfere in terms of uh, uh, the rights of other people. We, we have all types of violations. Everything we do 
Eventually we violate something else. Allah Azza wa Jalla says, "As-sama'a raf'aha wa wada' al-mizan." Alla tat'aw fi al-mizan wa qimu al-wazna bil-qist wa la tukhsiru al-mizan. Allah raised the sky, raised the heavens. He made the scale. He made the balance and he says, he warned us, "Do not disturb the balance." We the people we do disturb the balance. That is rahma. That is rahma. That is mercy. That is an act of mercy. And as I mentioned, Allah created us. If you look and those who really ponder a lot about the creation, you'll find that Allah had put everything in place. The eyes, the nose, the, 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 uh, the tongue, the, the brain, the heart, the tissues, the uh, livers, all of these. You look at them, especially those who are in surgery, they do the surgery, they open up. Man, everything touches everything else. The heart on top of the, the stomach, the stomach on top of the, of the lungs, everything. And they, everyone, performs its own function without interfering with other with another function. It's rahmah. Allah Azza wa Jal makes the laws, the laws of the money distribution, the wealth. If if you follow the rules and the laws the way Allah Azza wa Jal made for for the wealth, that Allah is the owner of everything, as we will we will talk later. And then he tells you have money, I give you the rizq. Then spend the rizq in the following manner. You pay zakah, you do not uh, uh, invest in riba, you do not hoard your money, etc. You'll find that all of these laws, they have the rahmah in them. They have the mercifulness. It is a merciful from inside, from within. It's a mercy from within. All the laws that we live with, the none, the laws which I have not come from Allah Azza wa Jal, they are violation of rahmah. They have no rahmah whatsoever. In countries that make hundreds of billions or trillions of dollars, Lots and lots and lots of money. And you still have 30 or 40 million poor people who do not have, uh, who do not find anything to eat. In a world, like the world of Africa, one of the richest nations in the richest places in the world, it has the gold, it has the diamond, it has the oil, it has the gas, it has the fertile land, it has the water, it has everything. And it has half of the continent is dying because of either AIDS or poverty or hunger or any of these social diseases and other diseases. Where is the mercy here? Allah Azza wa Jal, when He made laws, when He made legislations, when He made the creation, when He made the order, He made it with mercy. So when He says, Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, here, when we read this in Surah Al-Fatiha, when we read it 17 times a day at least, we have to always remember, this is the only thing you can get rahmah if it comes from Allah Azza wa Jal. Anything that comes from the people, if it's not based on what Allah says, it doesn't have rahmah. No rahmah. And we see it, we feel it, we touch it, we know it. And the people know that. Everybody knows that. And then at the end of the day, when you find that the world, especially the elites, the top leaders, the top powers in the world, they are fighting the return of Islam. They are fighting the rules of Allah Azza wa Jal. They are fighting the mercy. When they are opposing the rule which is based on what Allah says, actually they are opposing something called mercifulness. Because Allah is Ar-Rahman, Allah is Ar-Rahim, and we say that. And we believe in it. And 1.5 billion people read that 17 times a day, and still we, the Muslims, many of us, they say, oh, we have to run for democracy, or civil state, or civil code. What is that? You are leaving the mercy that comes from Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim, which we recognize it, for something that does not even understand what mercy is? That is against the Russian 
and the reasoning of human. This the reasoning says you can do that. And here when Allah Azza wa puts it at the very beginning of this surah, so that we always remember that, it is not for just because it rhymes well. Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim. No, because Allah means it. He wants us to recognize and remember that the Rahma you can only get it from Allah Azza wa And the Rahma you need it in everything. Well, in marriage, I mentioned this marriage because there is a reason. Because Allah Azza wa when He talked about, uh, 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 about marriage, woman ayatihi and khalaqa lakum and anfusikum azwajan wa ja'ala baynakum mawaddatan wa rahma. He made among you the rahma because the rahma, meaning that the husband, whenever, whatever act he does, he has to take into consideration the affairs and the benefit and the favor and the, and the, and the interest of his wife. Whatever the wife does, she has to take into consideration the benefit, the interest, the favor, the favor of her husband and the children. That's the rahma. You need that. You need the rahma in this world. You need the rahma in your family. You need the rahma in the school. You need the rahma in the factory. You need the rahma in the business. You need the rahma in the financial transactions. You need the rahma in the politics. When you are a leader, when you are a, a top, a head of the state, a president, prime minister, or whatever, you need that rahma for the people. But if you don't get it from Allah, Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim, and you do not base it on Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim, forget it, you will not have it. So Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim here, when we read it, and we ponder on it. This is very important concept because without it, without this coming from Allah, Rabbil Alameen, to whom all the appreciation is, you will not have Rahmah because you are not getting it from Ar-Rahman, you are not getting it from Ar-Rahim. And even, even if you get it from people who act merciful, you know, there are people who act merciful. They're nice, right? There are many people who are, who are good people who have good heart, who have good intentions. But they are not Rahman. They are not Rahman. Which means internally, part of their characteristic, Rahma is not part of their characteristic. And they cannot accomplish, they cannot accomplish the complete Rahma because of their lack of knowledge, because of their uh, structure of being uh, desireful, with their desires, their hawa, their attitudes, their likings, their dislikings, the people, people, they cannot internally be a Rahman. So even if I want to be a Rahim, to perform Rahmah, I'm still missing that part which Allah Azza wa Jal is not missing. And that's why this combination here is very important. Combination, Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim, you need both. You need both. Because sometimes somebody would come and argue, oh, but you know this person is very good, very nice, he has very good intention. Oh, alhamdulillah, that's good. But compared to what Allah Azza wa Jal, that's nothing. Now, there is one more thing here, is when it comes to Allah Azza wa Jal, the Rahmah, whether Ar-Rahim at the time of performing an act, or Ar-Rahman, which is part of his characteristic, has no limits. It has, no, it has no boundaries. For us, the people, no matter what characteristic we have, there is a boundary. There is a limit. You cannot be merciful all the time. You cannot be merciful without limitations. You cannot be merciful without a limit to the scope of your mercy. You can't. It's impossible. We are limited. 
by nature. Allah Azza wa Jal has no limits, He has no boundaries, He is the absolute. So everything that goes to Allah Azza wa Jal, always think of it absolute. Absolute means no limitation to this act. And there is no contradiction. In fact, Allah Azza wa Jal in the Quran in, in, in many places, He says, غَافِرُ الذَّنْبِ قَابِلُ التَّوْبِ شَدِيدُ الْعِقَابِ Oh, in the same ayah, He accepts, accepts the tawbah, Somebody returns to Allah Azza wa Jal, he forgives the sin, and his punishment is severe. So there is none of these characteristics limits the other one. So Allah Azza wa Jal is all merciful, he's merciful by all means, and at the same time, he gets angry. And those things, they don't contradict, they contradict for us. For us, you cannot be merciful and angry at the same time, because we are limited. For Allah Azza wa Jal, there is nothing can limit any of his characteristics. All his characteristics, all his acts are absolute, are taken in the absolute manner. And we can discuss this more in the, in the uh, uh, question and answer session if we need to dwell on this more. So this is the second ayah in the Surah Al-Fatiha. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. He said, all the appreciation be Allah to Allah. Who is he? He is the Rabb of all the worlds. Who is he? He is Ar-Rahman. Who is he? Ar-Rahim. So we have Rabbul Alameen, Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim, and we have Allah, the name. We said Allah is the absolute name of the, of this God, which is not derivative of anything. So there are Allah, Alhamd be to Allah, Rabb, the Master and the Lord of the world, Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim. So those are four names and characteristics of Allah Azza wa Jal to whom all the appreciation will be. One more thing for this Allah, from this Aqeedah, letting us know who is He, He is Maliki Yawm al-Din. He is Malik Yawm al-Din. Malik, is, there are two readings in the, in the Quran, some people, some Mufassirin or the, the earlier Sahaba, they read Maliki Yawm al-Din, without this extension of Malik, or they read Malik. The most common reading is Maliki, what we read, Maliki Yawm al-Din, but I will explain both. Malik is an owner, is the one who is a container. He owns all of it. And here the emphasis, the emphasis specific on a specific day, Yawm al-Din. There is a notion here, which is a new new to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, new to the Islam, remember, these ayat are just being revealed, and Allah Azza wa Jal is introducing this Islam, step by step, uh, day by day, ayah by ayah, by ayah surah by surah, to, to the Muslims and to the world at large, those who hear Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So there is this notion of yawm al-deen. So there is a day, yawm means day. Al-deen, which we all, use quite often deen being our deen is Islam, but literally, literally a deen means accountability. A deen means accountability and it's a derivative of what is called the debt. When you are indebted in for someone with a debt, uh, there is a loan, you have to pay something, so you have to, to be accountable, you have to answer something. So there is a day of answer. Now there is no further explanation in this surah. It's just like this. 
no details. There are many other surahs that will come and talk about the details of that day, what happens on that day, uh, how Allah Azza wa Jal will, will make the accountability, how He is going to hand the people their books or their books of deeds and records. There are many other issues. But remember, this is just new. There is not much being revealed about it, but in this very precise ayah, says, this is Allah, this is Rabbul Alameen, He is Rahman, He is Rahim, and He owns a day of accountability. And let the people think of what that day is. Let them at least realize that whatever we do in this life, we will be accountable for. And that is a very important concept of the aqidah. Because what is, at the end, we keep saying aqidah, iman, etc. This basic principle of aqidah has to answer specific question. One of these questions is, whatever I do in this world, whatever I do in my life, am I going to be accountable for it? What happens after? I've done a certain act. I came here today. I ate something few, uh, a couple of hours ago. I quarreled with someone. Then what? Is it over? I've just done, we will leave this place in probably one hour or so. Then once we leave, this act that we are doing now, is it over? Or there is a consequence to it. There is something yet. Here Allah Azza wa Jal is bringing the notion that yes, there is an accountability. There is a deen. There is a day for the deen. There is a day for paying back. So there is a day that will come. There is a time. A day means a time. There is a time where we have to answer for what we are doing right now. And who owns that day? Who is in charge of that day? Owns means in charge. Who is in charge of that day? Who has all the things that have to do with that day? The accountability, the deeds, what is right, what's wrong, the rewards, the punishment. Who owns that? Allah Azza wa Jal. So here Allah Azza wa Jal is saying, there is a day or a time that you will have to answer for what you are doing now, meaning that our acts today, we will have to answer for them tomorrow. Tomorrow means Yawm al-Din. So it's not over. It doesn't mean that I have done the act, خلص, I'm done. You know, sometimes somebody sneaks into somewhere and he peeks into someone, he looks at someone without that person knowing, he peeks at a girl, at a woman, uh, he steals from this, he hits someone, and then nobody bothers. You just run away, nobody caught you. You know, just like hit and run, sometimes, oh, you, you, you did it, nobody saw you, you just leave. It's not over. It's not over. There is a day that Allah Azza wa Jal owns that day and Allah, the merciful, the Rahman, the Rahim, the Rabb of all the worlds. Now remember, Allah Azza wa Jal, He is the Rabb of the world that will come later. So He is the Rabb of that day too. So it's not surprising that He also owns the day of, of, the, of the accountability and the day of judgment because He owns the world. He is the Rabb of that world. He is the Rabb of this world and that world. He is Rabbul Alameen. He just said that. So Allah Azza wa Jal is telling us that whatever you do here, remember that this Allah that you worship, that you accept, that you appreciate, that you give your thank, you must give your thankfulness to, He is the owner of that day.
he is maliki yawmiddin or the other reading malik malik is a king malik is the ruler king means ruler malik the one who not only owns he owns but dictates he owns with authority he owns with passing judgment and making rewards and making punishment that's a malik now in the tafsir it's very interesting the mufassirin they kept arguing between them what is more general the word malik or malik what is more important at the end of the day al-qurtubi in his tafsir he says both malik and malik when they apply to allah azza wa jal they both indicate the fact that he owns the day the fact that he makes the judgment the fact that he can deliver whatever he wants the fact that he can reward whomever he wants to reward he can punish whomever he wants to punish and all of these characteristics whether you call it malik or malik it's both of them they lead to the same concept that's why in the reading when the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he read this ayah in two different ways based on what jibril gave him maliki yawmiddin or maliki yawmiddin meaning that both words whether it's malik or malik it means allah azza wa jal is the one who has all the things that have to do to do with that day now if i know and here comes the issue if it becomes part of my belief that allah allah is the rabb of all the worlds and everything i have in this world everything i have in my life recognition goes to allah azza wa jalla it's because of him the body i have the water i drink the earth i the, the air i breathe the food i eat the world i live in the sun i get my light from is all from allah azza wa jal the plants that give me the fruits the trees that give all the food everything all from allah azza wa jal so i better i better appreciate that and worship allah azza wa jal and make sure that he is my rabb all the time and not only that i'm not at disadvantage you know sometimes you will say whether you like it or not this is your boss but this boss can be idiot you have to live with him he is your boss he is your manager he is on top of you but he is he's terrible you can do nothing about it and you have to obey you have to listen you have to do things the way he instructs you but here allah azza wa jalla says allah is your rabb and therefore you have to follow him but he is also rahman rahim so don't worry so you are not at disadvantage in fact it's for your benefit to have this rabb as your rabb and and on top of that on top of that he owns and he's in charge of the day of judgment where everybody is going to be judged not only you not only you everybody is going to be judged those who tortured you in this life they will be judged by him those who mistreat you in this life who don't have mercy on you in this life they will be uh, uh, they will be judged by allah azza wa jal allah azza wa jal those who steal your money those who rob your wealth like those big elites the bankers the uh, the oil uh, moguls those who steal the oil from the 
from the ground in the Middle East and in Africa and they make the people angry. There will be a judgment. So Allah Azza wa Jal, in this world, He is merciful for all of us and He treats us with mercy. And not only that, He owns a day, no one else has the right to own that day. In fact, in the Quran, talks about this issue when Allah Azza wa Jal says, لِمَنِ الْمُلْكُ الْيَوْمِ on the day of judgment when it comes, he says, Allah announces, لِمَنِ الْمُلْكُ Who owns? Who has this ownership? Who can rule? Who is the ruler? Who has authority? لِمَنِ الْمُلْكُ الْيَوْمِ لِلَّهِ الْوَاحِدِ الْقَحَارِ For Allah, the one and only one. Al-Qahar, the one who defeats everybody else. No Fir'aun. No Fir'aun on that day. No Obama on that day. No Lavrov on that day, no Putin, no China, no kings, no presidents, no Amirs, no Al Saud, none. So that day is a day which Allah Azza wa Jal is promising us. He wants us to know that there is a fairness, absolute fairness. He's Rahman Rahim and he owns that day and nobody else owns that day. Malik Yawmuddin. What a beautiful aqidah. What a strong aqidah. What a strong foundation to build our life on. What a marvelous type of idea that here is, I am the simple human being. Simple human being. I was born a few years ago and I will leave this world in some time. Allahu alam when? A minute, an hour, a year. Allahu alam when I leave. This is me. And then everything I have in this world, I know it is from Allah Azza wa Jal. So I have a God to look up to, who is Allah Azza wa Jal. And this God is a Rabb. He is not only owning my world, He owns all the worlds around me. And He is a Rahman. And He is a Rahim. So I worship and I obey someone whose rules and legislations and instructions are for my interest. That's what Rahim means. And Rahman, nothing limits his Rahman. And, and not only that, he will judge my acts, my deeds, and the deeds of everybody around on a certain day. So nothing can go not accountable. That's a belief. It's a belief. It's a foundation. And upon this, I can live now. Based on that, I can make a declaration. Based on this understanding, I can make a declaration. What declaration I can make? What, what could come to my mind after having this recognition and this understanding and this belief and this conviction? Once I have this conviction, what is it that could, what is it that I could declare? What is it that I could announce? What is it that I could do? It comes natural. See, you I shall worship to Allah Azza wa Jal. Based on this recognition, based on this foundation, based on this principle, it comes natural announcement, declaration from me, the human. Once I realize all of this, that Alhamdu be to Allah Azza wa Jal. Allah is the Rabb of the worlds. Allah is Ar Rahman. Allah is Ar Rahim. Allah is the owner of Yawm al-Din. All of this, I understand it. I'm convinced with that. I know that for a fact. Then what else I could do? Oh, I will worship Allah Azza wa Jal. Why should I worship anyone else? Why should I worship someone who is not merciful? 
Why should I worship the United Nations? Why should I worship the Security Council? Why should I worship the constitutions of the people? Why should I follow the kings or the presidents or the leaders or this or that organization? Why? All of these are not mercifuls. They don't own nothing. They are not the rubs. They don't own Yawm din In fact, on Yawm din they will be judged just like me. All of us will be in front of the same God, Allah Azza wa Jal. So I better declare my worship to Allah Azza wa Jal. So it comes, Iyaka na'bud. So this comes natural. It comes, the only consequence, the only thing that you can declare after this recognition of the aqidah is that I do worship Allah Azza wa Jal. That comes, Iyaka na'bud. And here the beautiful, the beauty way of, the beautiful way of Allah Azza wa putting it, to you my worship shall be. Which means I start with the one who is worshipped. Sometimes in our linguistic, typical language we say, oh I will obey you. I will listen to you. I will worship you. I will do things for you. But here Allah Azza wa says, for you I shall do some things. For you I shall worship. For you I shall make my obedience. Because it's the recognition of Allah. The ibadah, na'bud, because what is ibadah? Allah Azza wa Jal. In the Quran he says, he, he created us so that we can come to this conclusion of worshipping him. وَمَا خَلَقْتُ الْجِنَّ وَالْإِنسَ إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُونَ When I created al-jinn and the ins, I want them to come to this conclusion which is to worship me. But that conclusion is not natural. That conclusion is based on something. See, if you read it now in Surah Al-Fatiha, which is one of the earlier surahs, it is not that Allah Azza wa Jal is forcing people, oh, I created this one so that he worshiped me. Because sometimes it sounds when you read that, oh, Allah Azza wa Jal needs someone to worship him, so he created people and gents to worship him. What's good? That's ridiculous. That's not right. Allah Azza wa Jal doesn't need anyone because when you read it, وَمَا خَلَقْتُ الْجِنَّ وَالْإِنسَ إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُونَ I created al-jinn al-ins only to worship me. Oh, sounds strange that God created creations so that the creations come and worship him. As if, as if this entity, this God is obsessed with this people worshipping him or things bound down to him which is a characteristics of tyrants not of God Allah Azza wa Jal in Surah Al-Fatiha here he makes it very clear he says look everything in this world is from me so if you want to appreciate someone you appreciate the one who gave it you want to appreciate the one for the water who brought this water from the rain? Allah Azza wa Jal. Yes, maybe somebody put it in the bottle, but before it came to the bottle, it was in the ground. And before it came to the ground, it came from the heavens. Before, from up, uh, from the clouds. Before it came from the cloud, there was vapor. And there were winds. All of these things, Allah Azza wa Jal makes all of these laws. He made the, the water and the rain. So it's, it's Him. So appreciation to Allah Azza wa Jal. And He is the Rabb. Any world you want to live in is belong to him. And he's Rahman, and he's Rahim. And he owns a day where everybody gets account, gets fairly accounted for his acts and deeds. Then, naturally, 
I would devote my worship to him, then that becomes a natural consequence. It's a natural consequence of this recognition. If I, once I recognize all of this for Allah Azza wa Jal, then the ibadah goes to Allah Azza wa Jal. And here there are the two words, iyaka, na'budu. Na'bud means we shall worship. Iyaka, it's an, it's a, uh, it's a na, it's a pronoun in Arabic, it's the damir, it's a pronoun saying that you, I shall worship. So there are two issues. One is Allah Azza wa Jal, and one is my ibadah. My ibadah, my ibadah is, this is my own instinct, if you will. It's an instinct that's within me, within you, within everyone, within this kid, within that woman, within that. That's an instinct. It's an instinct to look up for someone, for an entity, for a power that's beyond your power. That's beyond your ability. That's something that can satisfy your needs. Something that can, uh, 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 that can complement your shortcomings. Something that can mend or repair or take care of your defects, your shortcomings. That's what ibadah is. So if I want to make ibadah, that's mine. I'm the one who needs the ibadah, not Allah Azza wa Jal. Allah Azza wa Jal is not in need of anything. Allah is not in need of someone to worship Him. Allah is not in need of creation. Allah is self-sufficient. Because He was Allah, He was God before the creation and after the creation. And he will continue to be a God after all this world is gone. So Allah Azza wa Jal is not in need. I am the one who is in need. So I am in need for worship. And then, if I am in need for worship, the one and only one that I can direct my worship to is Allah Azza wa Jal. Because Allah has these characteristics that we talked about a few minutes ago. And anything else, Directing my worship to any entity other than Allah Azza wa Jal is foolishness, is nonsense, is insanity, is not correct, is defy, actually it defies the reason. Because sometimes they say, oh you guys, you are not thinking. Well, we are scientists, we are thinkers, we think, we use our brains, but this is what my brain leads to. My brain leads me to the fact that I am not going to direct my worship and my instincts and my emotions to someone that does not own my food, to someone who does not own my drink, to someone who cannot judge me for what I am, for what I do, to someone I cannot direct all my worship or my obedience or my devotion to someone who cannot be merciful from within and whose act of mercy, whenever he acts in mercy, are limited in scope. Even if he wants to be merciful, he may not be able to because he is limited in scope. Why should I direct my worship to that entity? That is the insanity. That's why the Allah Azza wa Jal in the Quran quite often he keeps saying, أَمْ لَهُمْ قُلُوبٌ لَا يَعْقِلُونَ بِهَا Maybe they have brains or hearts or minds that they do not use to think. In another place he says, Actually, these guys, they eat and they drink just like animals. They do not reflect. Animals, just give them any food, eats. The human is not like that. The human, I eat, I have to appreciate the one who gives me the food. I drink, I appreciate the one who provides this drink for me. I breathe, I appreciate the one who has the air that allows the air to go into my nose and into my lungs. 
I walk, I appreciate the one who made this gravity rule so that I can walk. I run, I do exercise, I do all types of things. I appreciate the one who makes all of this environment so that I can function well. That's the human. Animals are the ones, they just eat and drink and... and uh, that's how they, uh, 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 they do their work. So, إِيَّاكَ نَعْبُدْ comes a natural, natural consequence of what we have described in this aqidah. And the same thing. إِيَّاكَ نَعْبُدْ وَإِيَّاكَ نَسْتَعِينَ So this is the essence of our life. Because some of the mufassirin, they said this surah actually covered the entire Islam. Now in my life, in my endeavor to do things, there are two things which I, we always do. When we say ibadah, ibadah is you are actually following certain instructions. You follow because ibadah is a ta'a, is obedience. Now obedience, when you say I obey something, you obey what? You obey your parent, your teacher, your friend, or your own hawa, your own self. For what? What is it that you obey for? You are hungry, you are following your instinct, you smell something, you go and eat it. So this obedience, or this act, call it worship, worship now is an obedience with extreme devotion. Because to be, to be, to be accurate, it's not only obedience, but obedience with extreme devotion, because you are very much interested in this act, so you obey with devotion. This obedience with devotion, which we do, is actually to fulfill certain needs and aspirations that we have. And that's our life. So in our life, from the time we are born until we die, we are always in a constant, in a constant state of obedience. Constant state of obedience. Not unless we sleep. If we are sleeping, we are out of this world for, for a few hours. But as long as we are alive, as long as we are active, we are in constant state of obedience. And if that obedience goes to devotion, it's a worship. And usually it is. At the time when you follow a certain instruction, you follow it with your complete devotion, whether because you like it or because you have to. So that's what we are in this life. That's what we do. We are always in a constant state of obedience or ibadah or devotion, if you will. Whether we, as I said, we follow our instincts or desires to eat, or someone tells us to work and then we do work, or our parents tell us go to sleep, we go to sleep, or dress this or don't dress that, or whether it's the society that has its own peer pressure, they call it upon us. That's what we are. So then, Allah Azza wa Jal says, this act of life that you live in, which is a state of complete or continuous obedience and worship, make it to Allah Azza wa Jal. Make it to Allah Azza wa Jal. And that goes back to the ayah, وَمَا خَلَقْتُ الْجِنَّ وَالْإِنسَ إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُونَ الْجِنَّ وَالْإِنسَ In their life, they are always in a state of worship. But instead of worshipping one another, 
instead of worshipping constitutions, instead of worshipping kings and the presidents like Bashar al-Assad or like Mubarak at the time or Qaddafi at the time or the Security Council, instead of worshipping these entities, worship Allah Azza wa Jal. After all, he's, all the appreciation belongs to him. He's the Rabb of the Alameen, he's the Rahman al-Rahim, he's Malik Yawm al-Din. Make your worship to him. And while we are in the state of worship, we always, always, we have to rely on some entity to support our shortcomings. That's isti'ana. Isti'ana means I need help. Now you need help, why? You need help because there is something you you cannot do by yourself. You want to climb up to fix that lamp lamp up there? You need help, you get a ladder. You can't climb the ladder by yourself, you call someone to hold it for you. Naturally. You cannot, there are always things which are beyond your reach. There are always things which are beyond your limits. Always. Always. There is no person in the world who is absolutely self-sufficient. You can't be self-sufficient. So you have to rely, you have to get this help, this support. So this support, the, the notion of support, the notion of fulfilling your shortcomings, the notion of complementing your defects, the notion of coming to the aid when you realize that there is something which you cannot do. This notion, where do you direct it to? Allah says, direct this notion to Allah Azza wa Jal. إِيَّاكَ نَعْبُدُ وَإِيَّاكَ نَسْتَعِينُ In my life, which is my complete life, my complete life, because I am limited in my existence, because I have the shortcomings naturally, because I have defects naturally, because I am not complete naturally, because I am not self-sufficient naturally, therefore, I always need someone, some entity that can complement this shortcoming, fulfill these defects, rely on for these shortcomings of mine, it must be Allah Azza wa Jal. Because Allah is the one who is Rabbul Alameen, He's Maliki Yawm al-Din, He's Ar-Rahman, He's Ar-Rahim, He's not going to fail you down. If you get the support from Allah Azza wa Jal, He's not going to put conditions on you like the IMF, International Monetary Fund, like the other day, Egypt, they say, oh, we are in short of $4 billion. We don't have enough money. Where do we get the money? Oh, the IMF has the money. Yes, of course you need the money. You need help. Everybody knows you need help. There is, you are not self-sufficient, whether it's Egypt or America. Okay, you, you rush to the IMF. Okay, IMF says, I will give you the $4 billion, but you have to give me your political will for that. You have to give up your deen, your religion for that. You have to give up the rule of sharia for that. You have to give up the worship of Allah Azza wa Jal. Yeah, you go to get the help from entity, it violates Iyaka Na'bud. So if I say Iyaka Na'bud to Allah Azza wa Jal, and Iyaka Nasta'in to the IMF, to the International Monetary Fund, then that IMF tells me, oh, go back to Iyaka Na'bud and cut it in half. Right? That's what they will say. I go to the World Bank, I need a billion dollar. Okay, I will give you a billion dollar. But don't say, إِيَّاكَ نَعْبُدْ Allah Azza wa Jalla. Say, partially a'bud Allah Azza wa Jalla and partially a'bud my desire. Okay, then I will give you a billion dollar. But if you go to Allah Azza wa Jalla, say, إِيَّاكَ نَعْبُدْ Allah, إِيَّاكَ نَسْتَعِينُ 
Allah is not going to tell you, I will give you help only if you don't worship me. So naturally, if you devote your worship to Allah Azza wa Jal, then devote your this sustainability. Because the isti'ana is for sustainability. To sustain your life, because the first one to live, your life is with Allah Azza wa Jal. So I may worship Allah Azza wa Jal. Now to sustain this life in good standing, so that I don't have the pain and the sufferings, and, and so that I internally I have the tranquility, I better, I better continue to rely on Allah Azza wa Jal for isti'ana. Because the moment, the moment you direct your help, you take, to take help from other entity, that entity will conflict with your ibadah. This is natural. Even in, in, in today's life. If someone becomes an ally, especially in the, in the Middle East, kings, a king is an ally to Britain. He's a British agent. The British installed him in the first place. Now, Britain doesn't have enough money to support him. So if you go and go to the United States, they have lots of money. I need help and support from the U.S. Say, so yeah, we'll give you the support, but break your ties with the British masters. You become my agent now. Now you get in conflict with them, they may assassinate you. In fact, there is a history in the, we'll talk about that sometimes later. In, in the 50s, there was this type of conflict then those two guys who went to the aid of the United States, they got assassinated by the, their British masters because of these types of conflicts. You want to, to remain stable, have only one source for ibadah and one source for, the same source for isti'ana, for help, for sustainability. And in this case, it's Allah Azza wa Jal. إِيَّاكَ نَعْبُدُ وَإِيَّاكَ نَسْتَعِينَ It is natural consequence. If you make the first recognitions, you understand, Alhamdu, Alhamdu, all Alhamd, all Alhamd, to Allah, Rabbil Alameen, the Lord of all the worlds, Ar-Rahman, the one who is merciful from within, Ar-Rahim, the one who is merciful in all of his acts, Maliki Yawmuddin, the one who owns with complete authority the day of judgment. If you have this recognition, if you have this conviction, if you have this idea inculcated within your brain, within your mind, within your heart, if you have all of this, then naturally you must have your complete devotion, complete devotion, complete worship, complete fellowship, complete obedience, because that's al-ibadah, complete obedience, and complete reliance for support on Allah Azza wa Jal. Nothing more, nothing less. Anything beyond that, it means that you did not have your foundation correct. If you continue to claim, Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim, Maliki Yawm din at the end of the day, you take your legislations and your instructions and your laws from someone other than Allah Azza wa Jal, you are violating your own foundation. And, and if you take your instructions, and your orders, and your things to obey from Allah Azza wa Jal. But whenever you are in deep trouble, you rush to any entity other than Allah Azza wa Jal, you are in violation with your foundation. And that is very important today, the brothers who are in Syria fighting. 
in order to topple the regime of Bashar. Because the whole idea, there is a tyrant who is putting the pressure upon them to worship his ideas, to worship his nonsense of nationalism. And the people want to revolt against that. We don't want that. We want Allah Azza wa Jal. Ya Allah, man la ya Allah. Only Allah is ours. And then, which is okay, that's good. Now, if within this endeavor, we start looking for the Security Council, or NATO, or Saudi Arabia, or Qatar, all these, to give us the support, then goes our principle of complete devotion to Allah Azza wa Jal. Because these people who give you the support and the help will not accept to give you help and support if you will take your instructions from Allah Azza wa Jal. So if you devote yourself to Allah and this revolution is for Allah Azza wa Jal, then you have to rely only on Allah Azza wa Jal for victory and for support and for the continuous sustainability of your thing. And that goes for everything, not only the revolution. I just made this example because it's a live thing. Because we have it, it's going on on a daily basis. And there is an argument. People argue about this day and night. The same thing went, went, to, went into Egypt. They argued about that. They made a revolution and they said, we want Allah Azza wa Jal. But when it came to, to really doing the right thing, oh, we need support, we need help. And the support and the help, we need it from the World Bank and the IMF. And because of that, we will not be able to completely worship Allah Azza wa Jal. So we better have a mixed constitution. There goes their principle. So these two things go hand in hand. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, Maliki Yawm Al-Deen, Iyaka Na'abud, Wa Iyaka Nasta'een. And I'll stop right here. Well, The first one, Iyaka Na'bud, they all have the same structure. The structure, Iyaka Iyaka. Iyaka means to you, I shall worship, and from you I shall take my, my support and assistance. The relation between them is the one that I devote my worship to, I have to worship Allah Azza wa Jal, has to be the same source, the same entity which I look up for for assistance and support. And I, I, what I mentioned, I, I, I went into detail on this, if I separate these two things, then they will cancel one another. If I take if, ibadah to this entity, to Allah Azza wa Jal, and my support and reliance on something other than Allah, then the one who is giving me the support and the assistance will tell me, wait a second, I'm not going to give you the support and the assistance unless you cut short your ibadah to Allah Azza wa Jal, which is normal. That's what they do. These are what's called conditions and, 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 and uh, constraints. You know, when you take a loan from especially the IMF, what are the conditions? When you take assistance, and especially from entities that are big. So there is a very strong relationship between these two. So Allah Azza wa Jal made them, He coupled them in, the, in one ayah, إِيَّاكَ نَعْبُدُ وَإِيَّاكَ نَسْتَعِينَ 
from Allah Azza wa Jal we take our support and to Allah Azza wa Jal we shall direct our ibadah. Yes, first one. Okay. You take support from an entity that Allah Azza wa Jal directs you to. You remember at the beginning when I said Alhamdulillah, all the appreciation belongs to Allah. Now if Allah Azza wa Jal tells you appreciate this person, you appreciate him because you are appreciating Allah. So when Allah Azza wa Jal directs Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says, go to that entity and ask them to back you up. Then you are actually doing that based on the ibadah of Allah Azza wa Jal. So the ibadah, which is the first one, he's telling you, I want you to take support from that only with the following conditions, with the following constraints. So that, in fact, going back to the Nusra issue, Allah Azza wa Jal told Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, if these people, they put a condition on you, and this condition is that they want to, to take the authority and the rulership, don't take it from them. And when they told him, some tribe, yeah, Muhammad, if we do this, if we back you up, are you going to allow us to rule after you die or you leave this world? He said, no, al-amru lillah yadawu haythu No, this belongs to Allah Azza wa Jal. That's his order from Allah Azza wa Jal. So what Allah Azza wa Jal says, he says, now I want you to take that specific, now specific one act of support. So your reliance on Allah Azza wa Jal for the ultimate support, and now he directs you. He says, I want you to go to this guy, to that guy, to that guy, so that you will, you will live. So that's a not in violation. Yes. Yes. So the Yeah. But the main point, the main point is that this is an order from Allah because in the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam it says lamma this is Ali narrates lamma awha Allah li nabiyyihi an ya'rida nafsahu 'ala al-qaba'il Allah revealed to his messenger to go and seek support from tribes. So it's an order from Allah Azza wa Jal. So it's not from him. Yes. The question is, uh, in Yagara, is this linguistically and also exclusively the only we worship Allah the only we ask Allah Azza wa Jal? Is this exclusively? Yes. In fact, the Iyaka na'budu uh, from linguistic perspective, it is exclusive to this entity, to him. Yes. Uh, because if we say, Allah, we worship Allah, it's not exclusive. It could be we worship Allah and we worship something else. But to say, it means you and only you we shall worship. It is exclusive, yes.
Yes. So where does this planning comes into being? I mean, because now I see like, okay, you know, I, I do Ibadah for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and I go back for anything. So I, do I plan as a human or <laughs> well, planning now and anymore? Let me tell I think the, 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 uh, the issue here is when we say Ibadah, Immediately it comes to your mind or to the mind of the people, Salah, Psalm, Zakah, Hajj. Yeah. To many people. Okay. But in reality, the planning, when you plan, the question is, I plan, I make some regulations, I make some thinking. All right. Now, in all of these, all of these issues, you are following certain Rules and instructions. These rules can be yours, your own hawa, right? Your own desire. It's based on your own pure instincts or thoughts. These are the only two sources that can impact your plan. It's either your instinct. Instinct means your liking and dislikings. Just like, dislike. Or thoughts that come to your mind. Thoughts you made some thinking so in your brain there are some thoughts so you are using these thoughts okay now if it's your instincts your instincts your likes and dislikes you cannot follow them because Allah Azza wa says وَلَا تَتَّبِعِ الْهَوَى this is called the Hawa don't in your planning in your guidance in your acts do not follow your instincts or likes and dislikes follow something else what is it that I want to follow? There are ideas. Now these ideas in my brain, how did they come into my brain? Did they just creep in? They did not. I've made them. I have put them in my brain. How? On what basis? The ibadah to Allah Azza wa Jal, the ibadah to Allah Azza wa Jal means that all of these thoughts that I build in my brain, this becomes my mentality, because that's what my mentality is, the collection of ideas and thoughts which I have in my brain, which I use in my life. Those collection of ideas and thoughts which are in my brain, they better be based on some instructions from Allah Azza wa Jal. So that, in this case, then becomes my planning, my ideas, my thoughts, all of this process is a worship to Allah Azza wa Jal. Okay, so that's how it is. Because in whatever you do, in your work, whether it's anything you want to do, any act, it's an order from your brain to your body to do certain act. That order, it's either based on a thought. Let's say you want to go and visit someone in the hospital. He's sick. It comes in your brain. That's what the idea. Oh, visiting a brother in, in, in the hospital who is sick is sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. Or visiting a person in the hospital because he is sick is something beneficial because he is related to me in a certain manner. He's my boss or a co-worker or something. Or whatever that reason is. Now that reason which you have just used, you must have built it based on a certain principle. So if you have built it on a principle that's based on Islam, on the aqidah of Islam, then you are worshipping Allah Azza wa Jal. If you have built that principle based on benefit, 
or immediate interest or uh, pure nationalism or pure tribalism or pure it's an idea it's something that's not based on the worship of Allah Azza wa Jal. so whether it doesn't matter what the act is will always lead it back to the fact that that we worship Allah Azza wa Jal. Nasta'een from the word isti'ana. Isti'ana, yasta'inu, it means get help and support. And nasta'inu, we. It's a plural. And in fact, there is the plurality here, since I mentioned na'abudu wa nasta'een. It has, it has this indirect notion that the ibadah to Allah Azza wa Jal is not individualistic. It's in plural. Iyaka na'abudu, we. So this Individual ibadah to Allah Azza wa Jal, it doesn't, it doesn't come into play. The worship to Allah Azza wa Jal, it's societal things, which includes individual, but it's not limited to the individual. So this notion, or this linguistic, يَكَنَعْبُدُ to you, we shall worship. So we as, as group of people, as a society. Meaning that, the ibadah to Allah Azza wa Jal should not be left to individual. Oh, I pray, I fast, I make zakah, I make hajj alone, etc. No. So the ibadah is a collective work. Because come to think about it in a certain society, if you are the only, if we, you want to worship Allah Azza wa Jal, and we don't want to do that, you will not be able to, to do your worship. In the sense that you will not be able to follow the instructions of Allah Azza wa Jal until and unless these instructions are followed by the group. Think of partnership, think of, think of corporations, think of investments, think of laws that govern marriage and divorce. It has to be the rules of the society so that you can adhere to them. So that is a notion of this Islam. It is a societal Islam, it's not individualistic thing. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Podcasts on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran tafsir, and sirah are available at islampodcasts.com as well as on iTunes. Rate, review, and comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please subscribe, share, and tell a friend about islampodcasts.com.